Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11, 11 a.m., 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars, we remember and want... Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today, we're speaking to Kanga, who is just 50 years of age and was diagnosed with prostate cancer when he was only 49, and he had his prostate out in December last year, having a robot. And he is just a really good news story. And Joe and I feel as though we're always telling our patients that it doesn't all have to be bad. And some people just do really great, but you never really hear about the good reviews. You usually hear about the bad ones. Same with restaurants. So (laughs) today we're going to talk to Kanga and we're going to find out what the model patient looks like and and how how it goes for you. So welcome, Jojo, and welcome, Kanga. Thanks for having me, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Kanga, we actually met uh, prior to your radical prostatectomy in October and your operation was scheduled for uh, two, three weeks later, I think it was. So we had about three weeks, maybe only 10 days actually looking at your notes here to prepare you for the surgery. So we didn't have a long time. From what I've got here, I don't know if my notes are right or not, but I wrote down that on the 21st of October, we had our first meeting. Oh, you know what? You're right, because I've actually written down here it was your 30th birthday, sorry, your 50th birthday on the 3rd of November. And then yeah, we had, right. we did, we had your op on the About six 30th weeks, of November. Kind of. Yeah, we did. So yeah. perfect amount of time to prepare you in terms of utilising the time between your biopsy and your um, surgery. So what was really good was we got a chance to do that um, pre Prehabilitation of the, the pelvic floor. And um, just looking at my notes, it looked like you had a very good bladder capacity prior to the surgery and you really didn't have any anything much bothering 
you in any way in terms of your bladder control and your sexual function was um, normal and you were happy with all of that prior to the surgery. So we actually um, had a really good start. You also pretty fit young guy. You like to run and stretch, surf, do weights most of the weeks, even a bit of yoga. So you arrived with, you know, great health apart from the prostate cancer diagnosis. So it made my, my job really easy. Thanks. Yeah, um, I think, um, yeah, it's a general sort of life kind of, what would you call it, mantra. I just like to be fit for life. So, you know, whatever it comes across, and I wasn't planning on obviously having prostate cancer. That wasn't, I wasn't getting fit for that. I was just getting fit for being able to surf whenever I wanted to or, you know, run with the kids or whatever. So it just worked out, fortunately, that, the fitness that I had for them helped me in, you know, getting ready and, and for recovery of the operation. And I love that, that you just said that you wanted to keep yourself fit for life and that was a match. I think that's something that we could all really um, tune into there. Yeah. Um, I know this is a well-used expression, but my husband always says you need to have the three Ps, which is make sure if you, prior preparation prevents a piss poor performance, which I think is more like five P's. It's probably maybe like six there actually. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a stuff up, but it's something to do with P's, some number of P's. Yeah. It's a good one. And so your prior preparation actually literally prepared you not to have a piss poor performance. Exactly. <laughs> so, so when it came to the operation, we often Melissa and I talk about the fact that we know when we first meet guys, particularly I get a chance to see most, most of you before the surgery, that it's it's a really harrowing situation to find yourself all of a sudden when you often, you know, feel absolutely well. And I, I often see guys looking like they're literally shitting themselves <laughs> when they're, you know, first introduced me, when they've got all of this un- unknown possibility coming in with their life. Do you remember how it felt when you were diagnosed with prostate cancer? especially being so young? Yeah, I suppose there's, there's two sides to it because I, not that I expected that I was going to get it, but it, the reason why I was looking for it was because I kind of expected that I might get it because my dad had it um, and I don't know whether he, um, at the time when he had it, which was probably early 2000s, it, it had probably got away from him already and then he ended up dying from you know, cancer kind of everywhere. And I, I don't know, but I, I kind of added it up in my head that um, he started with prostate cancer. So if if I could find it early and my other brothers, I've got three older brothers and we're all looking, well, two, of, two of the older three are actually looking for it as well because they got really elevated PSA readings. So I was kind of on a path of maybe it's going to come. Mm. And then I found it, and when the day that actually, you know, you, you get the biopsy, you go from one step from getting the getting the MRI to getting the biopsy to then going in there a couple of days later and you sit down as you normally do with the doctor and you're expecting he's going to say everything's okay and you know, come back in a year or something. And the first thing that Tom says is um, we've got cancer. So you, you literally don't even listen for the next five minutes. Luckily mm-hmm. he's writing it all down. Mm. And so was that, even though you were sort of prepared for it, it was obviously still a really big shock. Yeah, definitely. Huge shock. I remember walking out of there just going, oh, my God, things have changed, haven't they? Because you're kind of invincible as you're younger and you slowly get a bit of vulnerability, but that's a big change in sort of a few minutes. Mm, That's a huge change. 
And was it a difficult decision to decide whether or not you were, what sort of treatment you were going to have? Um, not really. I think after I started listening to Tom, the first five minutes and I said I wasn't really listening, I was just sort of freaking out. After I started listening and he was running through the different options because he does give you options, you know, you can you can do nothing and, um, you know, we'll monitor it. Um, but he gave me a clear recommendation based on my age and my fitness that that it's likely that we can do the operation, get it all out um, and have a, a speedy recovery, obviously with the two major side effects. Mm. And so what, which one of those two major side effects, being incontinence and sexual problems, was the most concerning to you? Um, I think they kind of... They kind of equal. Come, no, not equal. They kind of come in, in stages because the way it's presented to you is that incontinence is a, a short period kind of side effect and um, I can't remember if you wrote down like a few months, maybe three months, you might um, recover from that. But then mm-hmm. on the sexual function one, he's, you know, he's, got, he's got 12 months with a plus sign there. Mm-hmm. So you kind of deal with the first one and then you get to the second one, if you know what I mean. Both of them are pretty harrowing. You know, being incontinent as a 50-year-old man, kind of, it's not a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's because it could be more sort of public, whereas the other one's more of a private one, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Mm. And I always think about the continence issues being your 24-7 sort of quality of life, whereas the sexual function, it's not in your face every moment, potentially wearing pads and things like that. You 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 know, it's a, it's an opportunity sort of situation that arises or not. Um, or not. Or, or <laughs> not. That's, you know, see, the, the, the way that we put our words here is... Sometimes a little. She didn't even realise that <laughs> she said arises. <laughs> well, at least you, you guys are in the industry where you, you know this kind of talk is is enabled. You know, and it's encouraged. Whereas most businesses or sort of work environments, you can't even can't raise it because someone's going to get upset, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's never good to raise it at work. No, no. no <laughs> Sorry, not. but the thing, um, the thing is that most guys will say to me, you know, initially, yes, there's the shock of the cancer. And then they've come to see me. They've had a week or two to process it. And then they're really worried and scared about, you know, the continent side of it and the the leaky prospects of, you know, embarrassing themselves publicly. But then it moves to the sexual function. Um, this, as you said, and we do present it in, in that order of hierarchy really for recovery. So how did your actual surgery go? How, did, how was all of that for you? Um, Really good, actually. Um, from the you know making the decision to to go with what Tom recommended to to eventually getting to the day of the surgery, like six weeks after we first first met you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd done I'd done kind of you know the exercises that I you told me to do, and you said to me I'm looking good, so I'm, you know I was happy with that. I also then, called you uh, a camel. I, said, I remember good. you calling me a camel and I've, yeah, I've kind of you, like you taken that off. You and you can hang on for a long time. Which is I've been amazing. able to hang on for a long time forever and I wonder if that's just, you know, biomechanically, whether that helps with oh, the confidence in the end. Yeah, it does. It means the pelvic floor is used to working pretty hard anyway. So, yeah, know, that's 
that's one thing that would be great for every guy out there before their surgery to turn yourself into a camel. Aspire <laughs> to be a camel. Aspire <laughs> to be a camel. Yeah. So and then back to the, the surgery, um, in terms of how it went, it was it was yeah. In terms of the actual pain out of it, I never had any painkillers other than a couple of Panadols maybe on the first day. Um, I could get out of bed um, easier than I could after actually just having an umbilical, umbilical hernia. Mm-hmm. So it was, I'd, I'd learnt from that, you know, many five years ago how to get out of bed. So it was just, you know, lying, rolling your side and sit up. So you do it in a hurry. So, yeah. And then Tom came in. Um, that first morning and said, you know, we got it all and we saved all the nerves. I remember him saying that and I was kind of almost started crying straight away as he said that because I was like, well, that's the first tick in the box. Here we go. Yeah, that was great. And then the first time, oh, well, you got your catheter out. Tell us what happened when the day you got your catheter out. What were you expecting and what actually happened? What was I expecting? Um, I didn't know what I was expecting because I, I kind of had never been in that. Mm-hmm. state before I suppose but I thought there would be something you know and the nurse this lovely old lady I forget her name I should have written it down Leslie <laughs> Leslie, oh, yes. Leslie. If, you're, if we've this. got any listeners overseas for this episode Leslie is a West Australian legend on, yeah. yeah yeah go she, for it was she she's 82 or something yeah, yeah she's still working she ended up out. My mum ended up coming and picked me up to take me in there because you can't drive, obviously, with a catheter in and after the operation. So my mum's a, an 82-year-old lady as well who was a nurse forever. So her and Leslie end up having like a half an hour chat. I'm Aww. just sitting there kind of like, you know, isn't this about me? Come on. <laughs> and then I, I say, shall we, shall we get on with it? And she goes, yeah, come with me, whatever. So we walk off into the other room. She says, lie down there, bang, pulls it out as, you know, it's, it's not. Amazing feeling having it pulled out. It's kind of like someone dragging a, a piece of sandpaper through the eye of the old boy. Um, but then she just sort of looks at me and says, um, I hope you haven't bought too many pads. And I said, Why is that? And she says, You won't have a problem. Um, so she must know straight away that it must, I don't know, maybe it just starts leaking straight away. I don't know because I've never had it before. But there was no leakage at all, and there never was any leakage. Just yeah, that was it. So that you ne- you never had um, uncontrolled urinary leakage at any time following the removal of the prostate and the catheter. Never. I wore the pads for the first. I think it was in the book, or you told me wear them yep. for two nights or something, or wore them during the day, and then for the first couple of nights, and if you're dry, then you stop wearing them, and then I stopped wearing them, and then nothing ever happened. I was almost thinking to myself, did he actually take it out? Because nothing's, <laughs> nothing's changed. So at two weeks post-op, I saw you back in the rooms and you weren't wearing a pad and you said, I'm absolutely fine. And you you were absolutely thrilled with the outcome. So yeah. all kudos yep. to you and your surgeon for uh, putting in the work hand and beforehand and then the expertise at the time of the surgery. So my my role was pretty much done. I just checked on you um, a couple of weeks later and increased your exercises to get you back to um, what you enjoy doing. But you just like to make sure that you don't dive into things too quickly. So that was pretty much six weeks later. And um, I discharged you from my care and 
in the meantime, you met Melissa. So I met you at four weeks post-op and I was quite surprised with what I found. What, what did you, what do you remember after that first meeting or did I bamboozle you with plastic penises and pumps and you just didn't remember anything? No, I think I remember walking into the room with Adele, my wife, and um, on the table was, a, what did you call him, Jeffrey or something? Jeffrey, yes, yep. And I thought, well, that's either kind of deliberate or an accident. I'm not sure. Just to break the ice, he's just sitting there on the table. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey is a model plastic thing. He just yeah, hangs no, out. He just is with me all the time. I forget that other people might find him offensive. So well, I didn't find him that offensive. I didn't, I'm not around many of them like that. But anyway, <laughs> um, but just prior to that, I had seen Joe, and Joe gave me that tip about the because I said to her, you know, there's. We talked about the, the incontinence thing, but I said, you know, there's. I feel like there's something happening down there. You know, like there's there's a bit of there's something because I, you know, I'm a young man and I want to make sure that things come back as quick as possible. So Joe gave me the tip about why don't I try this challenge dose? I think she called it, mm-hmm. which was three of those little yellow um, tadalafil. So it was twenty milligrams the, of tadalafil. Yeah. Yep. Three of them. So I tried that, um, which would have been less than three weeks after the operation, and it actually worked. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a that was an amazing um, sort of moment, I suppose, <laughs> that yeah. things were going to be okay. And when so you did, didn't get a full erection then, did you? But pretty close too, if I remember. Yeah, no, I wouldn't wouldn't call it full. It's not like a diamond cutter or anything, but it was <laughs> enough to um, enough to do the job. Yeah, um, great. But you know, it's I was really really happy with that, and sort of yeah, it got me on a a path of that it's going to be okay. And what what was it like the first time you had an orgasm? What what was your like was it? Did it feel the same as it did before? Did it feel different? Or pretty? I, I suppose it's a little bit tender down there still, in mm-hmm. that region. Um, so there's two parts I think to to the to the feeling. There was one I was a little bit kind of a little bit nervous because the the region's still a bit kind of you know healing if you like because that was only two and a half less than three weeks after. Mm-hmm. Um, but the doctor said, "Whatever, go for it. You'll be fine." Mm. And, um, but I have this another theory also that as part of the cancer that was going on inside the prostate, because I had a couple of different tumors. One was a smallish one on the outside, but there was a big one that they didn't find via the biopsy. That was actually kind of wrapped around the urethra. And it was on both sides of the, they call it left and right side or something. Mm-hmm. And there was quite often before I had my prostate out, there was times where when I'd ejaculate that there would be almost like a spasm that would go sort of somewhere between there and my back. Um, An unpleasant spasm? A little bit unpleasant because it was it was associated with, the, you know, the orgasm, but it was like yep. a locking up feeling somewhere. Okay. Yep. Um, but since I've had it out, that's gone totally. Great. So there's an improvement then in your orgasm quality. Yeah, I would say, um, it, and part of the pelvic floor training as well, it, it's 
there's, there's sort of, I think that probably helps as well. Yeah, there's, you know, quite a lot of um, evidence about that for sure. Yeah, definitely. That would have helped. And did you have any climacteria or leakage of urine when you had your first few organs? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, there's, I, you know, as, as part of the training and the recovery program, um, there has been there has been um, that you know a little bit of leakage of urine occasionally. Mm-hmm. If if I haven't um, done my you know ten pumps that Joe told me about that you do it after, every time after you go for a wee you do that you kind of drain the pipes you know yeah um, there has been that kind of thing but obviously before you have I have sex that I'll be making sure that I do that yeah 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 no, that's great. And we did try, one of the times that you saw me, we did decide to try an injection just because, you know, 80% wasn't good enough. You were like an overachiever and wanted it to be a diamond cutter again. So so we did try a needle with a very tiny dose because I was extremely nervous that it might not go away. Um, and how did you find that experience? Um, so that, yeah, that first one that, that you helped me with, um, I it definitely yeah, it, it worked and worked better than what it did prior, mm-hmm. um, not prior but prior to you know, after the operation um, just with the tablets. Yeah. Since then, um, I've tried it obviously again several times mm-hmm. um, after I got my own little um, kind of kiss. prescription and of of the, of the magic go go juice. <laughs> magic um, go go juice. But that that stuff is is like I don't know, not kryptonite but it is strong stuff yeah um it's not to be messed with uh maybe maybe for some guys you can mess around with it but for me it's very sensitive and you need to have those um those other tablets there to, to put them down yeah, yeah so the Sudafed tablet makes it go down it's like unblocks your nose and unblocks your penis so yeah. but with someone like you you know, you really needed literally just a whiff of that. And I'd actually be surprised if you needed it all now. Because you're now five months. Yeah, you probably don't need it at all anymore, hey, because I haven't seen you for a bit. So. Well, I've, I still kind of mess around with it occasionally, but mm-hmm. it, it's got to be, you got to be very careful because it, it changes from one sort of, you know, dose to the next. The result can be everything's because fine. Because you're, you're constantly improving with your nerve recovery. And maybe nerve. that, yeah, and part of the maybe the with all the other exercises, the pumping and stuff that I'm still doing, just making sure that the health is coming back as much as possible. It's it's um it's very sensitive that stuff. Yeah, you need to be very very careful with that, Kanga. And what about um when if it did last a bit too long, has the Sudafed got rid of it every time, or have you had to go for a run? To... No, 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 Sudafed. So what I, I've sort of got to the point where I've waited two hours and I'm like, shit, this is not going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you, I kind of, you know, again, doing little experiments on myself, if you're lying down, it just doesn't go away. No. If you get up, maybe a bit of gravity can kind of slow him down, but then you just come back up again. It's kind of up and down. And, um, it kind of gets to that point where maybe your, your brain's messing with you a little bit or... I don't know, but at two hours, I'm like, I'm taking the tablets. So I'm not going too long. No, that's good. And make sure you always do. I always explain to men that I think of it like, you know, if you've got a door with a rusty hinge, 
if you don't put the oil on the hinge in, if you leave it too long, you can't get the hinge to move. It's the same with the Sudafed. If you leave the doors rusted for too long, the Sudafed won't work. So you really do need to take it straight away at that two-hour mark. Yep. Yeah, just to so avoid you going towards anywhere near that four hours. Yeah, exactly. What's the what's the um time frame that you wouldn't want it to go beyond? Is it three hours or two hours? Two hours. So at two hours you need to start the protocol to get it to go down, which is take the Sudafed and do some exercise. And then if I it's tried still ice packs as well and they didn't work that well. Yeah, they only work in conjunction with the Sudafed. The Sudafed's the magic trick. And then you um can an hour later take another two and then if it's not down then and at that point you'd be three hours past having the injection i encourage all of our clients to ring or send us me a text message that says my penis is stuck and then i will ring them and sort stuck, it out like stuck. stuck up it's just oh, okay. the, it's just the word it's a yeah. stick up you know? so this brings me to um reviewing kanga as as melissa hasn't seen you recently in the clinic that a lot of guys think that they have to continue to use the injection, but I always see it as a pathway or a definitely. stepping stone. What's yeah. your comments on that? Yeah, it's definitely a stepping stone. So I think it's only something that you use whilst you're waiting for natural erections to return. And then as soon as you get any sign of that, we can transition people onto oral medication. And hopefully, like in someone like Kanga's case, I'm assuming that, you know, within it, by the time you're a year, I'd be surprised if you needed anything and you would have been completely transitioned back to normal so it's definitely for some men they have to stay on injections forever because they don't get yeah. their erectile function are you back. experimenting with not using injections as well at the moment kanga yeah yep and and what's the what's the difference like at the moment at five months after your surgery um i'd say what I've, like I've, experiment, I've experimented with it with a different Obviously, um, Mel gave me the different prescriptions too because there's there's so many options out there now. Almost mm, there's the, the oral medicine, yeah, yeah. There's the 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 seven milligram ones that you get from the local pharmacy there. Um, there's the bigger twenty milligram ones that are in one tablet, and then there's these that newer whatever it was called, Spedra, Speedy Spedra, Speedy Spedra. Yeah, so I experimented with with all of them, but I still think the three of the little seven milligram ones is the best outcome what about Even compared though, to the injection oh well, compared to the injection injection still wins out because it's okay. that's that's back to yeah 20 year old crazy wow. <laughs> 20 year old crazy that's it that's it yeah but the um and it's interesting that so that group of medicine you're talking about oral tablets are called pd5s and it's interesting that it's worth trying all three because a lot of people will find that one works better than others or have less side effects. Yeah, less side effects. Yeah. So it's worth trying and figuring out which one is best for you, which you've obviously done. And then, you know, once you know which one is your sweet spot, there's no point worrying about the others anymore because that's obviously the one that agrees with you the best. Yeah. And there's literally no side effects from the, from the whatever you call it, the Cialis, the Tadata film. Mm. Well, the I other, don't know if there is any anyway. You would, yeah. If you had, if you were getting any, you would know. But the other yeah. thing I think about that's important to note about the injections is as people improve, I will get the compound changed. So I'll get it made much weaker. So, you know, like that bottle that you had that will, you know, last you forever because you're using such a tiny dose, but we'll have to throw that away and then order a much weaker dose so that you just reduce the strength as, the, as time goes on. Mm, for the injection, mm. yeah, medication. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, ultimately won't need injections and potentially won't need any any orals either. No, I, I would be surprised if Kanga needs anything at all by, by 12 months. So you've done amazing. And, and how are you feeling like emotionally about this whole journey? Emotionally, yeah, pretty good. Um, I'm happy to talk to to um, friends and family and um, any almost anyone that I see. If they ask me how, how I'm going, I, I give them this a spiel almost. You know, and most of them, interesting thing, most of the guys you see, that I see mates that I've known or you know, from around here, northern suburbs, surfers, whatever that I see, and they we. We have a chat. We tell them what's happened. They're all interested to listen as well because yeah. we're all getting into that zone where you know it's something's going to happen, and so I, I feel good to talk about it. Um, mm. I think it helps me and it helps them um, physically. Fitness is like as it was, or probably better because I have changed a few other things. Um, you know, sort of diet-wise and the way I work and. It's, you know, this, it hasn't really been a bad experience, honestly, other than obviously having cancer and, you know, the side effects that of the, not so much the incontinence because there wasn't any, but the, the erectile function, it's, which is coming back, it's, at least I'll, I'll never get prostate cancer again, put it that way. No, and how's your PSAs have been good, haven't they? Yeah, the first one was like non-detectable and I just did the second one this week and I've got my follow-up on Friday with Tom. Great. So if we have a look at this, we always aim for the trifecta. We, we look for cancer clearance as being the number one priority, full continence, which you achieved from day one of catheter removal, and your sexual function, we actually gave you sexual activity two and a half weeks after your surgery. So these, this um, kind of outcome is not expected, but we do see it, and it's really nice to share your story because, um, yeah, we, we tend to... Um, not underplay, but I guess in, in some ways you, you can be a little intimidating to other guys potentially who might be suffering a lot more. Have you ever felt uh, guilty in any way? Um, that you've had I, such I, a positive I, experience? I, I, haven't, I haven't felt guilty. Um, I don't know if I should or not. If, no, if you shouldn't. Away, but I just, it's, I'm just maybe I'm lucky, but I... You kind of, I the sexual function bit is is a bit of luck, I suppose. Um, but the other part, the continence and just the general you know, mental state is it all comes with being healthy and happy and you know. Well, I'm really almost ready for it. Yeah, I'm really pleased to hear you say that because right at the beginning you said you made yourself fit for life, and sometimes I do get guys who do really well just like you, and they think, oh, they don't want to share their story because compared to some other guys, they've had a much much more positive experience and they, they do feel a little bit guilty. But I but I think there's there's no place for that because um you you made sure that you're in a nice fit and healthy state just in case anything like this came along. So um yeah, all all kudos to you. And there's no from my perspective, from the sexual function perspective, and it's probably I'm assuming it's the same for Joe from the continence perspective, is that the guys I see that turn up that are fit don't have fat bellies, exercise regularly, eat well, don't drink too much alcohol and have good erectile function before they go through this, always have way better outcomes. No matter what others. their age as well. Yeah. Like it's not exactly. necessarily, you know, only younger patients like Kanga here that no. will get good outcomes. So. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's not 
I think it's not just luck. I think, Kanga, that it is that you've made a conscious effort to live a healthy life. The three Ps or the six Ps. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you've, and you've just made it. And because of that, you've had better outcomes. And so you deserve it. Thanks. And thanks to you two ladies for <laughs> helping me and guiding me on the on the journey. You were well, both I saw you. To me, so I, I saw you. Of, sorry. I saw you two times before the surgery and only yep. two times afterwards. So that's about as record winning as you can get because um you know i like to discharge you back to your own life as soon as possible so that you don't have to keep keep on visiting people like me unnecessarily so it's about a record number of times um to to you know be engaged with someone like your pelvic health physio so yeah as i said you were easy to look after so thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Now, is there anything else as a takeaway that we haven't covered that you were hoping to say today? Um, I think maybe the for those that I suppose want to you know, get back into the exercise too and stuff. It's you know I, I was exercising the day that as they say get home and and go for a walk and, and I did. I got home and went for a walk and started and it wasn't easy that first walk. But then the next day I walked again and then you know, within a, a couple of weeks, I think maybe like two weeks, I think I was swimming and then three weeks I was running and um, by four weeks I was swimming sort of two and a half Ks and now I'm getting ready for that ultra marathon down south. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. So, That's amazing. So it's it does come back and, and you, your strength comes back and some people, you know, my next door neighbour unfortunately had his out or both my next door neighbours have had their prostates out. Something's going out in the street. But mm. um, they, yeah, you know, the the energy levels vary from people, you know, from one man to the next after the operation. And I think having that that rest every day does help. But you then you then got to start pushing through that kind of, you know, feeling tired and then getting back to exercising if that's what you like to do and that's what I did and it worked fine. Mm, wonderful. That's great. So the takeaway messages are you've got to be fit for life and you have to do however many P's it is to prevent a piss poor performance. So Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kanga, for talking to us today and um, you'll probably only get to see me once more too and then I'll discharge you because you won't need me anymore so we'll be superfluous. <laughs> And that's nice. We like to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good for both sides. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Kanga. Go hop to it. Thanks, love. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases. And this helps our podcast get more people and if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me. I've got a boy of my own now. But 
fills me with pride to see him growing so fast into a man. 